This is Nick Satuni, Head of Operations from Coded Minds. Hi guys, um, my name is Luciana and I am a researcher slash, slash scientist, I guess, uh, working in uh, industry. And welcome back again, Luciana. Woohoo! <laughs> Your presence was very, very much requested again after the first podcast. So we decided to bring you again here to talk a little bit of uh, the experiences that you and I actually had when we went to University of Alberta together. Which brings me to the theme of this podcast that is basically grad school tips. A little bit of background uh, for all of you listeners here is that uh, Luciana and I, both of us, we were, uh, at least in our department, the very first two Brazilians that the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology from the University of Alberta ever had. And uh, fancy enough, we met there and we became friends and even roomies. And we had a lot in common that uh, after the podcast that we recorded about professions, we were talking like, would it be interesting to share all the stuff that we actually had to go through during grad school? Since, of course, we already in the podcast talk about uh, several other uh, schools and experiences, right? So as usual, I'm going to stop talking because I talk too much, but I'm going to give the mic to you, Luciana, first. So overall, you and I had very different experience because we worked in different labs and I was on a master's and you are on a PhD. Yeah. But there is one very first thing that we have to do as foreigners that it was one specific course that was a big shock for both of us. You want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, we had, uh, so when we started, both Nicholas and I, uh, even though we were both in the same department as grad students, he as a master's student and I as a PhD student, uh, but our department had some courses that were mandatory for all grad students. Uh, I think within the first year of grad, stu grad studies, you had to take some of those courses that were mandatory and the other ones you kind of got to pick and choose which ones you wanted to take, but there was one that was mandatory. And this one, um, it was about scientific communication and it was a lot about, you know, it's like, it's like a basic course, almost like an intro introductory course to grad school. Uh, and it was an interesting course. I think we we learned a lot, but it was very heavily like assignment based. There were assignments every week. There were drafts of assignments that you had to submit before you submitted the final assignment so you could get some feedback uh, before you submitted the final one. Um, but basically we had deadlines every single week of things that we had to submit whether it was the, you know, whether it was the, just the draft assignment or the final assignment. And this course, it was interesting because like, but it was really hard and especially for both of us. I think for us as, especially as international students, it was kind of a shock and a, and a struggle in a sense that it was the first time that we had to, you know, write a lot of things in English. Um, it was the first time that we had to present in English. It was the first time that we had to do like many things. Uh, not only that were new to us, but it was also having to do them in another language that it wasn't our native language. So I think the, the difficulty level for us, you, and, and of course there wasn't just the two of us that were international students. I think there were more people uh, taking the course with us that were also international students. Um, so I think, but I think the level for us might have been even more uh, difficult just because, you know, lots of assignments, lots of having to write and think in another language. Uh, so I guess it was, it was, it was quite hard, but I think we both did pretty well for yep. our first. <laughs> and it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, again, thinking back. Right. Uh, we came here and that's that those are good tips for international students overall, if you guys going to start in whatever department one day, because, uh, again, there is no other chance for you instead of just being thrown on one of those courses and you need to succeed. So, of course, the stress level was sky high from the beginning, I guess. Oceana can agree with me on that. Right. But it, it gets to that point where that stress was handleable and very important for both of us to get our brains even together in how 
the educational system here works as well as how the research system here works, right? And at first, I don't know if you felt the same way, Luciana, but it was all about like, oh my God, this assignments, why we're doing this, right? Why they want us to do a draft and why they want to do like a, a final checkup? Why don't they just do everything at the same time, right? So I think that again, looking back, it was, uh, it was very valuable to do that because what they were preparing us for was actually something that if we would continue to do in academia, like research, that will be something that will happen all the time. Like if I want to publish an article, if you want to publish an article, we are going to be having a lot of back and forths amongst all the, the authors, amongst the, the publishing agency, right? So I'm not going to lie. I came from uh, the classic Brazilian way where we're very proud of what we do and no one can say anything, you know, against it. And that course broke that inside of me. I became much more accepting of, uh, of what we should be listening to and the feedback that we're taking from others. I think another valuable thing now that you mentioned, uh, and that is very different from back home, is that in that course, throughout the course, we learn to, uh, to accept feedback and we also learn to give feedback for, yeah. to other people. And, and it's like positive, constructive feedback. Uh, where not only where you acknowledge, you know, the things that the person did well, uh, and then you try to suggest things of how they could improve to make whatever that, that, that they're doing even better, you know? So it's yeah. not necessarily, uh, we, I guess, back home, I guess our experience is that we used to get very defensive regarding feedback because we, feedback always felt like an attack and it almost like, and obviously, if it's your work or if it's something that you do, you take it very personally. So it almost yeah. felt like kind of, and, and people back home are not necessarily, they're not the greatest at giving positive feedback or oh, yeah. constructive feedback. They always try to tear you like down and they always try to point out the things that you got it wrong, but they are never really used to, you know, just explaining to you how you could have done better, but at the same time, highlighting the things that you actually Right, because right? yeah. that's also important. Yep, yep. And that's funny. Uh, again, as international students, we learn all of those. But one thing uh, that I came to realize again with the time is that both you and I, we already had previous experience back home. Yeah. And most of our colleagues on that course were actually not as experienced as we were, right? So uh, I guess a big tip that we can give to, to any course, not only that, we're just using that specific course as an example, but if you are a foreigner student and you're coming here to Canada just you know, to start your studies and you throw yourself in this environment thinking that, oh my God, like uh, we thought, and we talk a lot about that, right? Like, oh no, the, the education here in Canada is so much better. And you know, they have much more money, much more resources. They know what they're doing. Everyone here is much, much better than back home. You're kind of going in the wrong direction there. Because uh, I, I, I don't know if you feel the same way, Luciana, but every here and there, when I would look to what other people did, especially during the presentations, all the experience in communicating research and what we were doing it was actually like much more important and much better than the people around us. So, which brings to my tip, right? You, from your country, it's normal, especially if you come from underdeveloped countries, to doubt your skills. Because people from the developed country might have better skills. I would say just trust your skills. Look what you learned. Look what you did. And try to understand why it's different, not necessarily better. And then you can really see the valuable uh, knowledge and even experience that you have that local students here in Canada don't have. Yeah. I think it's just like, it's not so like better or worse, but sometimes like you have different ways of doing things based on your culture, based on your background, based on your previous experiences. So sometimes you have different ways of doing it and, you know, and, and sometimes you can use that to your, to your advantage, you know, your previous experience or your way of doing certain things. And, and by showing people that there is other ways of doing something and incorporating that in what you do, People sometimes appreciate it, you know, yep. people sometimes appreciate it. It's like, oh, I have never thought to do something this way, you know, so it's like, um, so I think generally it's, um, but I agree with Nicholas too, because like, I, I think in the beginning of the course, I was very, 
insecure. And especially because of the language part, it's like, oh, it's my first time taking this course. It's a mandatory course. We cannot fail this course, otherwise we're kicked out of the program. <laughs> so it's like, you have to have like a minimum grade that you had to achieve in order to remain in grad study. So it was, it felt like a lot of pressure. And of yeah. course, as the assignments came and as we were graded and as we started to see how we were actually doing in the course, I think we both uh, did well enough that we started to like take- Let it go a little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit more. Um, but I think it was great. And I think it's like uh, Nicholas mentioned, he was a master student. So it was his first course. I had been, I had done already a master's back home, but I think that course was also interesting. Cause like, even I have done grad studies before uh, I had already a master's and I was getting a PhD. There were a lot of basic things that were taught in that course that I never had it previously. It was like all about the scientific method and hypothesis and how the hypothesis how the scientific method works and how, uh, what is the right way to formulate a hypothesis and, you know, uh, literature review. Literature review, obviously I, I had done before, but there was a lot of like, oh, like how to communicate with like lay audiences and how to communicate research and science, something that is very complicated, but in a level that uh, that people would understand, regardless of who you're talking to, regardless of their level of education, put it in simple terms that they can also understand and how to do like media, you know, how to talk to media, you know, if you have to showcast your research for, you know, if you're being interviewed by, by uh, a, you know, TV a reporter, or, yep. or whatever, you know, like how to, how to, you know, how to answer those questions and how to answer in a way that they're not going to you know, twist what you said, you know? So it's like, it was a lot of like very, uh, lots of very variable in like re, uh, reviewing others peop other people's research. You know, if you're a reviewer from a, for a, if you review an article for a journal, what is it like to be at the other side of like reviewing yeah. and critical thinking and, and, you know, and again, giving feedback. So I think that course was very, uh, helpful in lots of senses, but it was also very hard, but we both did well. So again, it shows that, you know, don't doubt your skills. Like Nicole said, sometimes you come like a little bit insecure, but. And even in a retrospect, again, looking back now, I understand the values and what I learned from that course that I couldn't understand there when I was in the fray. I guess it's, it might be the same for you, right? But it, it gets to that point where there is a lot of valuable learning. But you can't help but to feel that insecurity as you go to the course. So that's my tip for you, foreigner, or even like a, a regular Canadian student, right? That just got into university and is about to get, you know, in your very first master's or PhD course, and you're not really sure what to do or if it's the right or wrong way. It's literally, again, stress on that minimum level, just so, of course, you get your, your minimum grades and get the requisites, of course. But don't go too far because in the end chances are the professor the department doesn't does not want you to fail and all the learnings that you're going to be doing they're actually going to be helpful in a way or another that you might not be seeing right now but again in retrospect in the long run after one two years you're going to look back and say like yeah that knowledge i actually use that knowledge a lot right yeah. But let's move on because, again, courses are important, but they are, let's be honest here, for us, we took uh, what we called here a thesis-based uh, graduate program, right? In my case, master's, Luciano's case, PhD. But there's also what they call a course base that not only is much more expensive if you're thinking about money, but also uh, it takes a lot of more time of your uh, program into taking courses and then writing a report at the end of it rather than writing a thesis. So my personal take, if you guys are thinking, ah, should I go for a, a course base or a thesis base? I'm telling you, if you wanna do research, go for a thesis base. It's gonna expose you to thesis, to the research, how you make a research and the interaction between supervisor and grad student, right? But if you just want the title, then just take a course base, pay a little bit more, learn a lot of the content that you might have not seen during your uh, undergrad, right? And then just be happy with it and with all the knowledge that you acquire. 
Yeah, I think another option, I don't know how common is is in Canada, but now that I've been here in the US, I've learned that there's a lot of universities here that also offer like master's, um, master's degrees that are more, I don't know how to put it, but I would almost say that it's like, it's more focused on, it's more like of a professional degree mm -hmm. rather than, uh, Rather than, like you said, it's not a thesis base. It's not like a research base, and it's not necessarily um, course base. Yeah, because I mean, is it still like I guess like a combination? Because it's like it's mainly course based, but then at the same time, you also have like an, a co-op or like an internship oh, in I industry. See. So, which is why to me, it's like they have a lot, especially in the area of like biotechnology and things like that, where it's almost like a professional degree. So, by having that degree, you're learning specifics of what of things that you would use in a job in biotechnology or pharmaceutical or medical devices company um, so i think they have those like and they're usually like a one-year program as well but it's more towards like a professional career so if you're aiming to work in industry in in some areas of industry you could also have this this uh option of like a more professionally uh, inclined type of master's degree where you're actually learning specifics of what you will use in a, in a job in industry. That's good because you get the title and then you get like the, the hands-on experience for the industry rather than just like the pure academic research, which has value, especially if you want to continue in academia. But again, I am a hands-on person, so <laughs> I would rather take in that route than my two years master here just by hearing it. But another big chunk of what we had to handle during uh, grad school are supervisors. And we both have a lot of good stories, but I just want to set like the bottom line here for our listeners. Regardless of you being a uh, foreigner student, you know, like international student or a Canadian student, handling, understanding, and talking with your supervisor is going to be a requirement for you to go through your program with like minimal issues. Let's just put it that way. What is the problem here that a lot of people are not aware because of course supervisors will never ever mention that to their students out loud, right? Is that most supervisors, they have zero management experience. And being a supervisor is, whether they like it or not, handling people, handling students. My supervisor, for example, even though we had a lot of bad moments, he told me once that we should be seeing each other as colleagues rather than I am your supervisor and you are my student. So bottom line here is, if you are a student and you feel that you are not uh, being properly treated, if you don't feel confident or comfortable to go and talk as an adult in a good way, very respectful, you know, open cards in the table with your supervisor, then go and talk to your graduate studies coordinator or whomever handles uh, that kind of situation in your department. Because there will be, there will be, I had, Luciana had, situations where you and your supervisor are not going to be in good terms. And of course, your supervisors has much, much more power than you have. But there are resources, there are ways for you to go out there and try to seek at least a second opinion. I want to give two examples of my own here, where my supervisor and I were disagreeing in what methodology I should be approaching my research. I have a biology background, so of course I'm going to be pushing to biology. He had a chemistry background, so of course he was pushing to chemistry. How did we solve that? We sat down, we talked, it wasn't easy, I was super scared. But we agreed that I will be at least introducing the chemical data from someone else's work, from his research group, and I will be having the freedom to do my own research using my own biological data. Tough conversation, took me forever to build up the courage, but once I did, I was glad that I did. At another point, using the same data set, he wanted me to, on my thesis, to start to discuss about that data as I knew everything about the data. And then I tried to remind him, but we didn't agree on that. We agreed that I will be using the data just to present the data. I didn't have to know anything about the data. So I was about to do my defense. 
I went there and I talked to my committee members and I made them aware and I made them aware of even this kind of a conflict of interest and how scared and fearful I was that he wants me to do something that we didn't agree on. And both, both my committee members from my board of examination there on my thesis, they told me, it's fine. We understand. Don't worry. You made us aware. Now we are going to be focusing on the part that you really did rather than trying to explore something that you're not really 100% sure. And they to completely tranquilize me. And that's exactly what they did during my defense. None of them asked anything about the chemistry part that I was not really fully aware of. But that's my example. What about Luciana's example? Uh, mine, I actually, <laughs> mine, I guess our experiences, like I said, were different. Mine, I don't have any uh, complaints about, like, I mean, general complaints, like my supervisors, my main supervisor and my co-supervisor, uh, they were both great. And I feel that I learned a lot from that period to the point that I became from my later experiences in as a researcher, uh, I became way more independent and way more confident in uh, making decisions. Because like in the beginning, as usual, as a student, I felt like I know nothing. I have to constantly ask them. Like I will make a study design and I will ask my supervisor to check on it and see if they agreed. Uh, and I felt my progression towards uh, that by the end, they would actually listen to me and it's like, I never had to do something that I, that I didn't want to do. We, everything was always very, they, we discussed everything. Uh, my opinions were always taken into account. And so I felt a lot of, so it made me like very confident, you know, about making decisions. Cause then it's like every decision that I made, anything that I proposed, they agreed. Sometimes I would come up with something else different. Um, and so I feel like my, my, I always had validation from them that it's like, yeah, that I was making right decisions. So my uh, experience in that sense, it was, it was very good. I don't think there was never any conflict uh, regarding, uh, you know, decisions. And I felt very respected. And I felt like Nicholas said that they actually treated, treated me like an equal person, even though it's like, yes, I'm still in training. And their role as a supervisor is to guide you and to make you, you know, a, a better researcher and a better, you know, to teach you how to, you know, to think for yourself and sometimes to point out things that maybe you have missed. But I feel that overall, uh, I don't think there was ever any, any issues there in that there sense. Good. We have a positive example here. <laughs> right? And it's good to bring those two. Now, on the other hand, uh, I had also positive experiences uh, with supervisor, just to bring that in as well, where I wanted, for example, to apply for an award, right? And then when I went to talk to my supervisor about it, he was very, you know, go, do it. It's all fine, right? So it's good to have that polarity that we're showing here because we don't know what supervisor people there might be getting. Right. But if you get a supervisor who is very positive and very, you know, let's go and do it and bring you in as a good manager, right, should be doing, then all peaches and rainbows, chances are you're not going to have any pro problems. But if you do, as I had some, and chances are we know from some of our colleagues back in the day, you might, then it's all about, again, trying to be very respectful, trying to bring that issue or that disagreement. First, if possible, if you feel comfortable to the supervisor, if not to anyone else that will be willing to listen to you, because believe it or not, and at least at U of A, they you like to talk that uh, talk about that a lot. There are issues between students and professors, and they want you to come out and they want to help you. Of course, usually when you are being, you're feeling weak, you're feeling that you're not being listened to or whatnot. You're going to think that the university is going to go against you and they're not doing what they can to help you. But all that they're trying to do is to reach middle grounds. And that's where we should also be very mindful that even though you're not getting the things that you want to do, maybe your supervisor knows better. Or if your supervisor doesn't know better, at least try to reach middle grounds instead of, oh, it's my supervisors or my opinions. And, you know, there is no middle ground. Yeah. Reaching that middle ground will allow for more collaboration, for more interaction, and it shows you even to compromise as any adult, any professional should. 
Yeah, I think one thing with like supervisors, just the general topic about supervisors that I, that I, um, I honestly, I had great experience in my grad study, so I never had any issues. But I think one thing that I learned, uh, and then from other experience, to me, in a way, it was almost the opposite. Like I was spoiled by having such good supervisors that trusted me and that treated me like an adult and that, like a responsible adult and that treated me like a colleague and an equal that um, another experience that I had after grad school, it was kind of a shock because, and I think most of it in terms of supervisors, it's mostly, I think it's like also managing people's personalities. And I think like Nicola said, all professors and PIs, they're just, you know, we or people in an academic environment, no one ever was, you know, no one was ever taught about how to manage people and how to manage different personalities and how to manage different uh, work styles. So I think this is where most of the conflict uh, comes from. It's just like people with different personalities and different expectations. So I feel that it's like, you should really know well the person that is going to be your supervisor like you should know what is their management style what is their you know what is their style like before you join a lab and you commit for that amount of time whether it's two years or five years you should know what is their style it's like do you have to be is it's your is your hours in the lab like flexible or do do they want you to be there at a certain time from nine to five or from this time to this time or are you flexible to make your own schedule? Um, you know, it's like, do they, do you want someone who is like a hands-on supervisor who is constantly meeting with you one-on-one -on -one to see if you have any doubts, see if you need anything, see if you have any questions or discuss results and discuss things and make decisions together? Or do you want someone that is more hands-off and you meet like maybe once every couple of weeks or once a month and then you're on your own doing your own thing. Uh, so I think all of this plays a role into people's, uh, I guess also expectations of high of, of grad school. Cause it's also like some people like more hands-on uh, like supervisors. <laughs> you know, I am the kind of person that for me, it works better if I am more independent. So I like some guidance in the beginning, but once I get the, once I get how things work, I rather, you know, I know what I have to do. So just like, let me do it. I don't want to have to meet every week. I don't want to have to constantly be reporting. And, you know, so I think it's, it's trying to find someone that matches your style and matches your personality, I guess, in that sense. And that's something, I don't know about you, but again, uh, as a foreigner coming to Canada, it was such a, such a risk. And I was dwelling into like uncharted waters, right? I don't know how that would work. I don't know how the supervisors would, you know? So for me, I was even scared at first to ask a supervisor about the style, if I could work, if I could do just more than research and those things I was discovering as I was going. One thing that I can definitely compliment my supervisor on was that uh, he would leave me, you know, to do whatever I needed, but there were other students in the group that would require constant supervision and he was there for them, right? But that is something that you could ask. That's something that could initiate in the very first emails after you're accepted or while you're searching for your ideal supervisor, right? Just because you don't know. And it's better for you to know beforehand, before committing, than starting your program and then out of the blue, you're like, oh my God, this is not what I expected. Right. At least you have some idea of how things would work. And of course, we all know that the, those initial conversations is all peaches and rainbows. Right. Everybody's happy. Yeah, no. But at least you can have that initial assessment of like, oh, this guy or, you know, this girl, she's they are better this way. They are more my style. They are uh, less of my style. Should I make this decision or not? And again, just try to go if you were like me beyond your fear, try to break that barrier and ask the right questions because it's your future, you know? Yeah, I think ask the right questions to the supervisor. And again, if you have an in-person interview or if you have the opportunity to meet the lab members or people that you're gonna work with, you can also 
uh, ask them what is their experience, you know, with, with that supervisor. And, you know, you can ask them like, how is like a day-to-day in that lab, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, so I think it's also like, yeah, even if you're slightly like afraid of asking two questions that are too direct or you don't know how to ask uh, the, the PI, but you can also ask the lab members and, and ask them what is the style, like what, you know, Engage from there too, right, Luciana? Because again, sometimes the supervisor thinks he is one type of person, and then the lab people will say that he or she is completely different, right? But having that kind of a two-sided vision, right, lab members and supervisor will give you enough information to to make the decision. And that is something, friends, that we talked in several other podcasts, right? If you're going to make a call, again, try to at least look into it. Make sure that you have enough information. And sometimes you might not even, you know, have in your mind that you have question number one, two, three. And then those questions will arise as you go. And it is expected. I'll be honest here. It is. I never had a supervisor that was like 100% peaches and rainbows talking about like, academic uh, environment and work environment and sometimes when those kind of a uh, small conflicts or fear they arise it's all about being very honest being you know very uh even candid i would say to sit down and talk the issue talk about your fears do not point fingers do not blame people it's about you it's about how you're feeling and it's about seeking support oh but i'm gonna be showing people that i'm weak Better you show them that you're weak now than having a bigger fight five months ahead and then you're close to your defense. Yeah, and I think you have to, if there is any issues that come up, I guess, you know, it's like you're, everyone is adult. I think it's just looking for, you know, professional and calm ways to, you know, communication. Communication is key. Obviously, if there is something that you're not, that you're struggling with or that you're not happy about with your current, you know, situation, uh, whatever that is, I think it's like addressing first, trying to address in the most, you know, uh, in, in the most open way possible with the person that you work with directly with. And if after trying to talk about it and, and resolve and communicate, things don't, don't get solved, then it's like Nicola said, then, you know, is it, is there a possibility that you might want to switch to another lab and, and change supervisors? And, yeah. and that Talk might help your research. So sometimes, like, depending on where you are in your program, you don't want to make that decision because, like, you would have to start from zero in some other project or, you know. So it's like, but, there is, you know, there is several possibilities. And I think, like Nicola said, there is always, you know, you can always escalate as it goes. I think the very first thing is to try and talk to your supervisor. Local uh, level. Local level and try to resolve the issues. If, if things don't, don't necessarily improve and you're still having issues, then I guess like someone within your department, like Nicholas said, a graduate coordinator or something. And then after that, then that is like university level that I think uh, University of Alberta was very good at promoting their ombuds service yes mm-hmm. yes so it's out so it's like yeah if you're having conflicts that are very very like not being resolved by any level uh in in the at, at a departmental level and it's still an issue uh then you have to escalate to you can look for an ombud, ombud service uh, to help you like manage you know all the all the parties involved and everything but i think that's the last resort i feel that um in most cases you are able to just have an open conversation and and solve things from there yep. another thing that i know again in canada i don't know if it's an option anywhere but i've heard from many people that i know here that ended up going to grad school which i think is a great idea is there are programs here where you don't necessarily have to pick a supervisor right away. You join the program and you get to rotate to di- go through different labs in your first few months or in your first year. You actually you rotate, you spend a few months in each lab and working a small project and learning what they do and interacting with that PI. And then at the end of that rotation year, then you get to pick 
which project or which supervisor you actually want to work with for you, the rest of your thesis, which I think it's a very, it's also a very good thing. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then again, here in some of the, the departments that at least I had a knowledge uh, from, again, each one of them work in a different way in how you're going to select supervisor. But this that you said, I never heard about in Canada. But truth is, again, once you know of the department you want to go, that's a question that you should be asking too, right? How is a supervisor selection in the department, right? And bottom line, just so we can uh, close this down in a very way, in mistakes that I made that I wouldn't like anyone to make out there is if you have a situation with your supervisor and if you want to resolve that, do not try to do that over email. That is not the right way to approach it. You can at least send like an email or like an invitation, an explanation of what do you want, what would you like to talk, but bring the issue in person to person. Why is that? Because if you have an issue, you might be scared. If you're scared, then everything that you are going to put in the email is going to sound a little bit defensive. And just because you're not having the face-to-face -face interaction, the supervisor will get whatever he wants to get. And if he's having a bad day, if he's under a lot of pressure, chances are he's not going to take the call. Same as you. You're so scared that it doesn't matter how neutral the response of a supervisor was, you might feel that that was an attack. So that's why I truly recommend if you have an issue to solve, just go there, talk in person, schedule a time, let him know in advance if possible. And then again, be as professional and as calm as you can. Hard, but not impossible. Yeah, agree. I think it's like, yeah, by anything like by email and things like that, it sometimes can generate more miscommunication. And I guess sometimes you cannot capture the emotion or how someone wrote something that they wrote. Like you, you cannot necessarily capture the emotion just by reading the words. So you're going to interpret in a way that maybe was not what it was meant by the supervisor or they will interpret your email in a way that it was not meant by you. So yep. I think to avoid if you're already in a in a stage where you're having any sort of issues or or, or conflicts, so I feel that to not add, I guess, to more miscommunication or misunderstandings, I agree that it's probably best to uh, schedule a meeting and and talk in person. Email, as I like to say, is a mirror, right? You put in there and you receive what's in there based on what you are feeling in that moment. We did not develop a technology where you can express emotions via email. You're expressing emotions via words, and words can be interpreted differently by different people. But with all that supervisor talk, which is very important, because from at least my experience, it, it was a big part of my grad uh, studies, I would also take a moment to talk about the grad studies life overall, but outside the lab, outside you know, like the, the supervisory kind of a situation in the research. Because uh, I think it doesn't matter to what institution you go, if it's a college, if it's like undergrad, if it's a master's, there will be stress. There's going to be the stress that you're putting yourself, right? Oh, I'm paying this much money. I need to, to do well. There's going to be the stress like, oh my God, I'm going to be doing once I graduate. Or even the stress of like, ah, this is so hard because my education wasn't strong enough. And then I'm here into this, you know, monster where I need to do a lot of things. And I felt that during uh, my master's and I felt that when I went to college here in Canada as well, right? So there is more to university or college than the studies, than the classroom than the lab. There are so many resources out there. And I would like to quote here a few that I use in the University of Alberta and even uh, when I was in college that were just amazing to me. And, I, and all of them allowed me to have a little bit of a peace of mind while doing my studies. And I would like to share that to all of you because at U of A, they were having like a lot of seminars and lectures and workshops just to spread about those resources. Because even though they exist, a lot of the students, they are just going to be going by their lives, you know, just like classroom to classroom to research lab to home. And they're not even going to try to see what university has there to offer. But for example, Food Bank, very good service that helped me a lot because again, 
Brazilian currency is not as strong as Canadian dollars. So uh, when I came here, I didn't have a, a good proper scholarship, unfortunately. So I had to spend my own money to sustain myself for a few months. And not having to pay for food and get food from a food bank actually was very, very good. It gave me a lot of peace of mind. The onbud, as Luciana mentioned, I use the onbud a little bit just again to understand where do I stand between my relationship with a supervisor, what I want and what I should be doing. The graduate coordinator, often my grad coordinator there, our grad coordinator once told me something, uh, Luciana, that I still have it with me, right? I was having some struggles and then she looked at me and said like, Nick, but before we go into like your university struggles, are you okay? How is life? And just by asking that, she made me realize that I had so much stress in my life at that given time that I was actually overflowing those issues and leaking them into my academic life. But not only that, like how many parties we didn't go together, Luciana? Oh, like the... Hockey games and... We're always looking for whatever that was like free pizza or free. There is always free food somewhere on campus. If you go attend a seminar, there might be, you know, free, free pizza or free lunch provided. Uh, I think it's like, yeah, no, it was also it's like university life and grad studies life. It was also a lot of fun. It's like, yeah, it was a lot of hard work, but we made we met a lot of people and we made good friends like Nicholas and I met and we're still, you know, we're still friends until this day. Um, there's a lot of people that you meet from different cultures and, you know, so it's also fun. It's like people to hang out, people to go to like, you know, university games or whenever the university was having any sort of event, uh, you know, like alumni week or, you know, there was like, there's always something nice happening or like a movie screen, there's screening movies at, you know, at the theater or, you know, it's like, they also have like, Nicholas said, so many other services that sometimes also like, if you don't look for it, you're not going to know, but it's like, there is a career center. I was about uh, to say that, that both of us use the career center. Yeah, there's like, you can go, there is seminars, there is courses, you can take your CV uh, uh, for them to, or your resume for them to actually look and give you feedback and see if it's good or not. Uh, there's so many, like so many resources that the tax clinic, remember the tax clinic. Oh, I didn't know how to do the class. Yeah. You didn't know, like we, I never had to do that even in Brazil. And then coming here in Canada, this is like, it's a big deal how to do it. University provided the tax clinic. Yeah. Tax clinic. Uh, yeah, there's like so many, and it's like, you know, there is the, the, the GSA as well. There is a lot of graduate student associations. Yeah, that was a good one. The student association. There is a lot of um, awards that you can apply for throughout, throughout the university, like little awards, like travel awards, or, you know, like an emergency bursary. I actually, at some point I had to apply oh, for me too. funding <laughs> because I think it was on my last month between defending my thesis and my I was going to run out of my scholarship and I still had two months between when my scholarship was done and when I was going to defend my thesis and I still had to pay tuition for that, uh, for that term. Um, so I think I ended up having to apply for like an emergency bursary, like an, to fund me for the final months between from the time that I was just like finish it up, like writing my thesis up until my thesis defense. I had to be supported by by somewhere else because I couldn't. Uh, I I was running out of my of my uh, scholarship. Oh, shit, yeah. So it's like so many so many services. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's a very important thing that I want to really 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 stress here. It's you know especially for a foreigner like we are and we we've been to that pressure because we decided to leave everything behind to go into grad studies. Right. It's a uh, they're getting good grades, awesome. Making sure that you, you pass, you know, all perfect. Yes, you should be aiming for that, but that's the bare minimum. The grad studies overall, it's much more than just research. It's much more than just, uh, you know, classroom and grades. If you expose yourself, like I did, like Luciana did, there is so many other things that you can learn, especially if you are international student. Like emerging yourself into the culture, 
understanding what's out there for you to do and how to do, what are the activities, meeting people, networking. I unfortunately wasn't able to use any networking uh, from those times. However, I learned how to network here in Canada compared, for example, how we network in Brazil, right? So it's, it's this slight difference that actually can make you connect to your current uh, group of people in a better way that you can actually request for some assistance when needed, right? So that exposure, it, it's priceless if you are a foreigner student. If you are just uh, like a, a local, like a national student, a Canadian student, I expect you to be exposing yourself to even more things that you, you never even thought about doing. Like how many of my colleagues that were Canadian never ever had, uh, had the experience of presenting, for example, on a seminar. They didn't want to bring their own paper, their own research to present because they were scared of public speech. But exposing themselves to that only makes them better at it. And it helps to sh you know, shed the tear a little bit away from you. Oh, but Nick, it's fine. I, I'm, I'm very shy. Great. Go to some of the whatever meetings they're holding. Try like a public speech or like a networking event at the university. Try to connect people through random services just so you can work that out so you can become better. Not better only at research, but also a better person. Because resources, they are out there, friends. All you got to do is search. And search means signing up for whatever newsletter from uh, whatever department. It means going into a student association and seeing what they're doing. It means going to events and talking to people because the information is there. But information rarely will get to you. You need to go and get the information. That is true. That is true. And there is also like a lot of like mentorship programs as well. I think I participated in one that was called Mentor Up uh, at U of A. Also, it's like, you know, it connects you with someone who's already a professional, you know, and try to give you advice. Like you meet with a group, uh, more peers like you and someone who is a more experienced professional. And you meet up once a month, like an informal, like for coffee or whatever. And, it's, and you share experiences and you get some guidance from them on how to, you know, like, you know, how to achieve your, your career goals, for example. That was also something, something nice. But it's like, yeah, there's all kinds of programs, all kinds of activities that you can get involved. Volunteering, lots of volunteering, lots of, um, you know, seminars and things happening in other departments uh, that you can also get involved with. Sometimes you don't even know workshops, whether it's learning, whether it's like extracurricular activities, whether it's like extramural, I always participate in the sports, extramural uh, mm -hmm. activities, like tried a bunch of different like workout classes and sports and, and things like that. Uh, soccer, played soccer during summer and spring, they would always have the sign up for teams to play like team sports so it's like there's lots of stuff uh to there do is. during grad school and it can be you know it can be a lot of fun and i guess building that support and meeting other grad students whether it's in your lab whether it's in the lab next to you whether it's like from your department or from you know other departments but just like being around people that are experiencing the same as you, I think it's also very important because it, it gives you like all the emotional support and all the support yes. that you need during that time. Cause like there were times when, you know, you're always gonna go through like hard times or stressful times and you are both in the same situation, you know? So you end up like having someone that you can talk to that can act, can really understand what you're going through, you know? So it's like building that support, you know, meeting other graduate students and knowing how to enjoy your free time and meet other people that are going through the same thing as you. And so I think that's also really important. So yeah, don't forget to live while you're in your grad studies. Don't become yep. a lab rat. Don't become a lab rat, perfect. Leave that job to the lab rats. They deserve <laughs> it. They work hard for it. <laughs> and I think that's a good wrap. But as usual, let's bring a take home message. And my take home message is very simple. Yes, you are at school, college, university, to get technical skills. Beautiful. Grad school, much more than your regular uh, college or undergrad, right? So go there for it. 
but there is a lot of room for you to get other skills that go beyond the technical. The technical skills will only help you in a job on that specific area if you're going to be working in that area. The soft skills that you can gain from all the other experiences from grad school or even regular college and whatnot, they're going to be with you for all the jobs, for all the positions, for everything else that you're going to be doing in your life. So go, try, put yourself in trouble, try to get out of trouble, put yourself in like in a supervisor bad side, put yourself in your supervisor good side, experiment different labs, experiment different volunteering opportunities, make sure that you're evolving in both sides, the technical and the social. That is my take home message. What about you, Luciana? I agree with that a lot. Uh, yeah, no, I think my take home message is like, choose your supervisor and, and your lab wisely. Be sure that it's something that you're passionate about because you're going to be working on it for a long time. Be sure that the environment is an environment that you feel comfortable uh, because again, you end up spending more time at work or in the lab than in your own home, you know? So it's like, you better make sure that it's like, a, you know, that is good support, that you like your coworkers, your colleagues that might eventually become friends, that you like your supervisor, uh, you know, so you have like a good work environment. Uh, and I guess it's also like Nicola said, take advantage. Don't use um, these grad study time to just, you know, be very good in like technical skills. Yeah, that technical skills is definitely one of the biggest aim and you're working towards a degree so obviously you're gonna i feel that it's gonna happen no matter what you're working towards a, a degree you're gonna become very good um in whatever you do but take advantage of that time to also explore what other things and what other skills you might be able to add uh, to your you know to your life not just to your cv but to your to your life you know it's skills that you're gonna use in many other situations, not just career-wise, but, and again, take advantage and have fun and build a lot of connections and socialize and meet people and try and, try and you know, you know, be a little uh, outside your comfort zone, you know, challenge yourself to be a little bit outside your comfort zone and do things that you haven't tried before because that's a great time in your life to be trying, you know, different things, different activities, different meeting people from different cultures and different places and learning things, you know? So I think yeah. that's, that's if, a good time in your life to be doing that. If you are an international student, you're going to learn more about your local country that you're doing, whatever grad studies you are. And if you are a, a national student, you can learn about cultures that you not, didn't even think exists. So Exactly, exactly. It's a very multicultural environment. So I think everyone wins with that. The local people, Canadian students, you know, and international students, we all really learn by, uh, and we all really gain a lot by working together and by meeting each other. And, you know, you get to learn a lot of things and a lot of different things that you never thought you would learn about other people and other cultures. So it's, I think everyone wins. It's a great environment. That's it, perfect. That's beautiful. And as usual, I would like to thank you, Luciana, for being here with us and all the listeners for keeping up till now. And with that in mind, this is Nick Satuni, over and out. Thank you, guys.